Welcome to the Inside Out Group Podcast, where we talk about organizational leadership, systems, marketing, and more for your church or organization. Today, we want to talk about the controversial topic, the business versus the church. Today, you have your hosts, Nathan Westfall and Michael Moore. What's up, guys? And we want to welcome to the studio for the first time, Brandon Stacy. Howdy, y'all. How's it going? It's going. So before we dive into today's topic, Brandon, would you just share for our audience, you know, who you are, what you work in, uh, where you're from. Yeah, absolutely. So like you said, my uh, name is Brandon Stacy, and I'm living down here in Southeast Texas, very close to where Mike uh, is originally from. Uh, personally, I'm married. I've got a beautiful wife named Courtney, and we have a three-year-old named Owen. So he just celebrated his third birthday actually this past Monday. So very exciting getting into toddler territory uh, with him. God help you. We're part of a... Uh, wonderful church down here in Southeast Texas that I'm sure we'll talk about shortly, uh, where they're part of a church plant, Redemption Church, um, where I serve as uh, a, I guess you could say, deacon of all things executive, which is a title I just made up myself, uh, serving alongside (laughs) uh, my best friend and pastor, Byron Ellis. So professionally, uh, I'm a manager for Walgreens, so Walgreens, of course, the largest uh, retail drug chain in the nation, and I manage a location down here in Southeast Texas. So, uh, very exciting role. I've been with the company for 15 years. It's actually the only job I've ever had in my entire life. So, uh, I'm not sure what it's like to do anything else besides work for Walgreens, but it's a lot of fun. I enjoy my role. Uh, provides me a lot of great opportunities. Sometimes very mundane stuff, day to day in the office, checking email, making phone calls, you know, making sure the store looks right. And then sometimes it's f- spending time in the pharmacy, filling prescriptions, taking care of patients, making sure we're not doing anything illegal. And then every now and again, I get the opportunity to get out of the store and do some uh, interviewing and hiring for pharmacists or pharmacist intern graduates, and doing recruiting at colleges and spending time at our regional office, uh, you know, doing some coaching and training development for our management team all across Texas and Louisiana from topics like delegation to performance management to motivating team members to taking, you know, taking extraordinary care of our customers. Uh, so it's a lot of fun. Um, and then I also just picked up Brazilian jiu-jitsu a couple of months ago. So I'm a white belt, which means I suck, but I could probably choke out the average guy on the street, which I guess here in Texas is probably not uh, the smart thing to do, considering our open carry law, but I digress. Uh, <laughs> I stay busy, though. Yeah, I have a lot of fun. I get to do a lot of different things, and uh, but I enjoy all the different activities I get to participate in, so it's a lot of fun. So, side note, I don't watch UFC at all, and recently I was down speaking at Redemption Church, and we went to your house, watched UFC, and I think I saw the best fight and the worst fight on the exact same night, and... Um, <laughs> It was fun. It was fun. It was a lot of blood and then a lot of dancing around the the what do you what a ring? Is it a ring? The octagon. Square? Yeah, UFC, UFC has an octagon. I don't yeah. know. Hey, I do have one quick question. Just out of complete curiosity, um, do you did you have to become a pharmacist too since you're a GM in order to work in the pharmacy, or are you just like a pharmacy tech? I know you have your MBA, correct? Yes, yeah, I got my MBA here at Lamar University. I did my undergraduate there as well in corporate communications and minored in philosophy. Uh, but yeah, I, I actually am a certified pharmacy technician, so I did have to get certified uh, as, as a technician. But unfortunately, from my uh, salary, I did not uh, become a pharmacist, which in retrospect probably would have been the good move. But <laughs> it's, uh, 
I'm, I'm done with school. You know, I did, um, you know, six and a half years of, of, of college. So I'm, I'm done for now, unless I decide to go get my philosophy degree. So cool. Cool. All right. I'm going to turn this over to Nathan and let's dive in with, uh, the business verse the church. Yeah. So as you said, you know, Brandon, you got your MBA. That's awesome. Congratulations. Uh, you know, you serving in a local church, can you talk about uh, the similarities in a secular leadership position, in your case at Walgreens, to church leadership? Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, I think really looking at this this idea between secular leadership and church leadership, we really, I think we need to define our terms in, in the beginning, right? So when we say secular leadership, I think it's important to know what, what we're talking about. So basically, I think for the sake of our conversation tonight, you know, we're, we're really talking about basically leading inside the church versus leading some sort of business or organization outside uh, of the church. So, you know, you can take obviously the word secular in a bunch of different directions, but I think that's really what we're, what we're getting at tonight. And to be totally honest, uh, I don't, I don't really think there's a lot of uh, differences between the two. And I'll, I'll explain what I mean here in a second. So we can basically look at it as two sides of the same coin, right? So we can just walk through a couple of things uh, that are similar between the two, that are similar between secular leadership and church leadership, and then the opposite or the the flip side of that as to how those things are different or maybe look different within the church, right? So in secular leadership or running a business or organization, we have accountability, right? We're accountable as leaders to someone or uh, someone else. You know, maybe that's our peers. It could be accountability towards a boss or CEO, what have you. Uh, and so in, this, in, the, in the church, it's very similar, right? We're accountable also as leaders, but the difference being is that ultimately we're accountable to the Lord, right? And of course, who we're accountable to is going to change and impact the way that we do our business. So being accountable to our, our, our boss or our company, uh, as opposed to being accountable to the Lord, things are going to look different like our ethics, right, or our code of conduct. So right, that leads right. to, to that second idea. You know, we as a secular business or secular leadership versus church, we have a code of conduct. We have some sort of company ethics that we adhere to, that we try to strive to achieve or attain and maintain even. Uh, and then also in the church, we have a code of conduct as well. But in the church, of course, our code of conduct is the scriptures. So the difference here being, you know, our company ethics, uh, they may not be something that, as a leader, we truly believe or we truly care about. We're, you know, we could simply ad- adhere to those things just because the company expects those things from us, as opposed to with the scriptures, as Christians, as believers, you know, we believe the scriptures, we believe the Bible, we believe God's word, we trust in God's word. Uh, and so, as a in a secular uh, business, I guess you could say that um, you don't necessarily have to play fair all the time. You don't necessarily have to agree with those ethics, whereas in the church, of course, we're always striving uh, to to maintain what God says uh, we should do and how we ought to act. Uh, I think another one would be have, being responsible for others. You know, in secular leadership, of course, in, in my own role as a manager, I'm responsible for my employees. I'm responsible for my team. I'm responsible for uh, keeping their best interest in mind. I'm responsible for looking out for their safety making sure that I create a safe work environment for them, whether it's physically or um, emotionally, you know, harassment, things like that. And then in the churches, again, it's the same but different. So rather than re- being responsible for employees, we're responsible for the people of God. You know, and that could look like a pastor being responsible for his congregation, being that shepherd. And it could look like a small group leader, right, having to care for uh, the people that are in their small group, uh, keeping them safe and protecting them. And God is going to hold 
those leaders accountable in a different way, of course, uh, than a leader of a company is going to hold, uh, you know, a, a manager uh, accountable. And I think another one too, um, we want to be successful, right? So in secular leadership as, as managers, as you know, and of course we could take it as high up as we want to a CEO or owner of a company or president or, or whatever, but we want to be successful and that could be that we want to be profitable. We want to get things done on time. We want to see our products get to market um, in, a, in a timely manner and please our customers. But we also want to be successful in church leadership, right? We want to see the gospel go out into our community, go out into our city. We want to see God's word change the world. So, and of course, we could keep going, right? We could talk about a lot right. of different things, but really, the the aspects uh, it's two different sides of the same idea that we're we can take a lot of ideas that the secular world uh, or secular leadership world uh, would look at and utilize and use and think about and wrestle with. And we wrestle with those same things in the church world. Uh, it just looks a little bit different, I think. Right. So let me let me dive into something real quick um, because I've worked both in the marketplace and then also in the Christian church environment, right? And one of the things I see more times than not is people in the marketplace take their mission more seriously than people in the church. And just the way they handle things and the way accountability is set up um, – and uh, wh- why do you think that is? I think the, the simple answer is because in the marketplace uh, at Walgreens, you can get fired. You're not going to get fired at the church. You can you can keep attending, right? You can still be a part of the people of God. But but if eternity is at stake, um, just from your perspective, why do you why do you feel that that is there is such a difference between the two uh, with with taking the mission seriously, excellence, accountability, um, and then people kind of being very relaxed in the church environment? Yeah, that's a great question. And, you know, and actually, I think that's something we might uh, dive into uh, a little more here in a bit. But just speaking of mission, right, why, why, why does it seem like maybe in the business world, uh, people can be bought in more for the mission as opposed to the mission of the church? And a lot of times, I think it really comes down to the vision of the leader and the expectations that they set for their people. You know, we have uh, of course, a mission statement of Walgreens, right? We want to be America's most loved pharmacy-led health, well-being, and beauty retailer, right? Like that's our mission. We and don't so, have a Walgreens up here, so <laughs> CVS is dominating. We have you guys. we have Rite Aids with Walgreens pharmacies, and Rite Aid <laughs> is like the stepchild to uh, yeah. <laughs> to yeah, so Walgreens. CVS. Sorry, CVS do- dominates it up but here. Go we ahead. we did just yeah Walgreens just bought a couple of thousand Rite Aid locations so we are coming to a street corner near you uh, we be. should yeah we should be there soon um and we don't have to get into the differences between CVS and Walgreens but I can later off the podcast because nobody's interested in that however um I think the the, <laughs> the difference here again is that you know we have a, a mission and it's clear, right? And I think many times in the church, and it's not uh, to put all of the responsibility on the leader, although I think in many cases it, it very much is uh, mostly their responsibility, um, but we have to make that mission clear, right? Like, I, you know, I just mentioned Walgreens just to throw it in there, but it's the, the point I'm making is that it's very clear. It's very, it's very uh, concise. It's very specific. Um, and I think at, at the church leadership level, we don't do the best job of making it clear to our people. So the people who are in our church, you know, if we were to ask them, right, so if we were to take a poll of, of our church and we just wanted to say, uh, you know, what, what is the mission of our church? What is the mission of Redemption Church, for that matter? Um, you know, I'm kind of curious to know how many people would actually be able to tell me 
what the mission of Redemption Church is here in Southeast Texas. And so I don't know if it's so much that um, people aren't bought into that mission or if they're not trying to live that mission out. I think many times they don't know what it is in the first place and they don't know what living it out looks like. And I think that's our responsibility as leaders to make sure that that's a very clear uh, a very clear mission to our people. Cool. So, so starting with communicating the mission and the vision clearly, repeatedly, over and over and over and over and over again until it is ingrained into the people. Um, go ahead, Nate. Yeah, no, that's good. And I, if you, anyone is interested about mission and vision, you can refer back to episode eight where we kind of cover the differences between the two and what it's like to, to really go forward with it. Um, so, Brandon, those are the, the similarities between the two. What about the differences between uh, the secular leadership world and the church leadership world? You know, so I think the the differences when we're looking at secular leadership and church leadership uh, aren't really too different. I think looking at church leadership, we're always expecting uh, the best, I guess you could say. We expect to be honest, fair, truthful, have integrity, operate uh, with, a, with a very strong ethic. Um, but if you think about it, in a secular world, at least on the surface— they want the same things too, right? Because that's good business to do to to have those principles um, in your business in your company is, is to have good business. So I think the difference comes down to the individual, right? Right. So the right, the, in, right. the individual is going to take um, that you know, kind of like we just said with you know having this ethic of the scriptures, being uh, accountable to the Lord, being accountable for the people of God, wanting to be successful through the way that the gospel is going to change the world, as opposed to just being profitable or just adhering to the company standards because I have to or I might get fired. Um, as a Christian and as a leader in the church, we deeply, deeply believe and care about the things of God, and we care about uh, making sure that we live out these principles um, within ourselves. And I think in the secular leadership world, you that doesn't really matter in many cases. You know, I think eventually those people will will be found out, right? Like we we can all tell stories of having a horrible boss or somebody that we think is just, you know, some scumbag that we used to work for who was just greedy and in it for the money, you know. But even then, those people reveal themselves and they reveal their true character. But on the surface, the goal is the same. We want to be uh, successful. We want to do well, and we want to try to do it in a way that's ethical. Because especially in our, you know, in our modern era, uh, if you're not. If you do something that um, you know ends up on the internet, saying something crazy on Twitter or whatever, people are going to find you out, and they're going to make sure that you know you don't have that job anymore. You know, so on the yeah. surface, I, th- I think the secular leadership world and church leadership are more similar than they are dissimilar on the surface, and it really comes down to the individual to find those uh, the real differences. Yeah, no, that's good. So with you having your feet in in both worlds and as you're talking here, so many people may say they're totally different. What is something that the church world can learn uh, from the leadership world, the business side of it? You know, I think there's I think there really is a lot of things that the that the church can can learn from uh, from the business world. And in many ways, I think everything the church needs to know, and I, I want to be clear about this too. I think I think everything that the church needs to know to be successful, and for a leader in the church to be successful, is in the scriptures. It's all all there. You know, all the yeah. expectations yep. of a leader are in the scriptures. Everything that um, you know about our character and the way we should carry ourselves, the way we should speak to others, all of those things are in the Bible already. Uh, I think the problem that we run into a lot in our day and age is that we have trouble translating that to what it's supposed to look like um, in 2018, 
right? We're have, we're have, we have problems pulling out those principles, pulling out those leadership right. ideas and ideals, uh, and seeing what, so what does that look like for me in my role at, in my church? Um, but just to, to list a couple of things that, I, that I've learned from being in, in business leadership and being in management outside of the church, and then also, of course, being in a, in a coaching and developing role for leaders inside the church, um, I think one, performance management and accountability. I think in the business world, you know, Mike mentioned earlier, you know, you, sometimes you can do something that might get yourself fired if you're not meeting the expectations of your boss or not meeting targets or not, you know, your balance scorecard isn't what it's supposed to look like. You know, you're going to be held accountable for that and somebody's going to manage your performance in that area. And I think in the church, um, we don't always know how to do that the right way. Of course, again, going back to, you know, what I said a moment ago, the scriptures tell us what church discipline ought to look like. But again, I think many times that's, you know, applicable towards sin, right? If somebody's got sin in their life and, or they've made um, some mistake in that regard, we, there's church discipline that we keep in place. But what happens when you, you know, a member of your setup team is showing up late to work, you know, to set up or somebody mm-hmm. who's supposed mm-hmm. to be on the worship team doesn't make it to practice or you ask somebody to get a task done for you and they keep dropping the ball. You know, that's where, uh, how do we manage that person? How do we hold those kind of people accountable? Um, and so that's an area where I think uh, we have very high standards within business um, and very clear expectations that we lay out for our employees that many times in the church we don't. And I, and I think it goes back to that expectation setting in the very beginning of what we expect from our uh, from our team members. But So that would be one, performance management, accountability. Oh, go ahead. Yeah, yeah, I just want to cut you off. So, so you, something, something you just brought up is something that I see a lot in churches uh, that we are— uh, have talked to or associated with and just roundtable discussions and stuff. <clears throat> and and the, the comment that I, I guess the feedback that I hear is, well, you're dealing with people. But I think also at the same time in uh, business leadership, you're also dealing with people. Uh, why, why is there that disconnect where in the secular, just from your perspective, or why is it so hard for church leaders to hold people accountable? Um, and, and that's something that we at City Church have dealt with, with, uh, you know, examples that you used, worship member, worship team member not showing up to practice, and it's like everything's okay, or someone not showing up on time for setup, and, um, and, and why do you think it is that we just let it slide instead of actually holding them accountable? And then if you want to dive into this just, just briefly, what are some things that you guys have done at Redemption to hold people accountable uh, if these scenarios have popped up? Yeah, no, those are, those are good questions. So, I, I think something I mentioned a moment ago might uh, might answer that a little bit. So, expectations, right? I think many times in the church, when it comes to being accountable for you know tasks, I guess would be the you know a blanket way to to put that. Uh, when we give people tasks and things that they need to accomplish, I think we could do a better job in on the back end of. Uh, setting those expectations very clearly, or I guess we could say up front, right? We want to set those expectations up front very clearly of what it looks like uh, as a member of whatever particular team or group you might be in or, or team you might be on. Um, because if we fail to set those expectations up front, people aren't aware of the standards, and many times they don't realize that they've even um, fallen short of an expectation. And at this point, uh, we're it's almost like we've waited too long uh, because the first right. time that we address it, now it's become setting an expectation. And so you've already let something slip um, for yourself as a leader, but for them, this is the first time that they've, uh, they're have they really hearing that they were supposed to you know do this in the first place, perhaps. Um, and, and I think 
my experience in, in the business world and at the company that I work for is from day one, whatever role you're going to be in, uh, we set all the expectations of that position up front at the very beginning. So you know very clearly when you start your role, okay, these are all the things that are expected of me. And if, if you find yourself in a position where um, maybe you missed that particular uh you know, that expectation, that level setting at the beginning, the best thing to do really is to have a hard stop and just make it very clear wherever you find yourself. So, you know, say it's the second time they've mispracticed or the third time or whatever, we have to, as leaders, take a step back and say, okay, let's really think this through ourselves. What do these expectations look like? What do I want from my team? And then you just have to have that conversation and start over, start brand new, start from scratch, start from the very beginning as if it's never happened before. And from that point forward, you have something very clearly that you can hold them accountable to um, because you've brought in their agreement on what those expectations are, right? Like, we, here's the expectations, A, B, and C. Do you agree with these? Do you think you could accomplish this? Oh, absolutely. So then when it gets to the point where you're holding accountability, they're basically failing themselves at that point. You know, they've, they've agreed to right, those expectations. Right. They understand what they are. They told you they could do it. And so when they don't, it's more of them letting themselves down than just letting you down, Um but it, but it all comes back really to setting those expectations up front. And, and at Redemption, you know, you asked for some specific examples perhaps that we've done. Um, at Redemption, many of the situations are similar to the ones I mentioned. You know, that's kind of why I brought those up. And I think if we were to ask a lot of church plants, they're probably very similar across the board. Um, right. But setting expectations was something we had to stop and, and restart. That's kind of what we did. I mean, we had a, a big meeting with our entire worship team. Um, and again, going back to just the s- simple things, you know, and people showing up late or what have you. And and we said, okay, here it is, you know, list whatever they were, 10 things or whatever. And these are the expectations. This is what it looks like. These are what, uh, you know, the principles that our worship team's going to adhere to, whether it's showing up, uh, up on time if you want to play or whatever. And then everybody knew from that point forward, okay, it's been laid out very clearly. Here's what we're supposed to do. And if we don't do them, we also laid out what accountability looks like. Well, if you show up late or you don't make practice, then you don't play. Um, and then we had to hold to it, right, which is tough sometimes. It's hard when that, you know, maybe your your best vocalist or your best guitar player or whatever, they miss or practice drummer or, or your drummer. Yeah. And then you have to have, you know, an acoustic <laughs> worship service. You know, that, that's happened to us before. You know, we've had we've had situations where people didn't make practice. They didn't play. And it we had to reshape our entire worship experience around this new uh, setup. Um, and we had to do it right. on the fly. We had to do it at the last second. But we knew that that was something that we would have to do if we wanted to really have people get bought in and have people um, meet the expectations that we set for them. Yeah, and this is something I just want to throw in there as as well. It's like whenever you communicate clear expectations and whenever you communicate uh, accountability, what this looks for or what you're looking for, and whenever you hold them to that, it is not because they're a horrible person. It is because you love them and you're trying to call the gold out of them. Ultimately, you're trying to call them to a godly standard. Scripture says, let your yeses be yeses, your noes be no. If you're going to commit to something and you just forget um, they need to they they scripturally need to be held accountable for it. And so I think a lot of times people look at that as uh, that's business, and we don't want to be like that. Um, it is business, but ultimately it's a scriptural principle that that you see. You know, God holds us accountable, right? Especially as leaders and pastors, God holds us accountable. And so if we're being held accountable, I think that we need to hold the people that we are surrounding. And if we say that we're going to hold people accountable, ultimately we do. I totally agree. We need to follow through, and that's something that we've learned at City Church. Uh, I mean, worship team is a prime example because that has happened with us where we've had to had to sit down and say, hey, uh, this is your this is the warning for the expectations. This is what's going to happen moving forward and so forth. So you're really saying communicate clearly 
um, the expectations, the consequences, and what accountability is going to look like up front if as much as possible. Um, and then is when you see the problem areas arising, immediately step in, correct it, and say from this point moving forward, this is what this looks like. So that's basically what you're saying, right? Yeah, absolutely. And that led perfectly into what my second point would have been, but we just addressed it. So, you know, communication, how to communicate. Again, we'll, Go ahead. Yeah. We'll, we, we know what the um, – these biblical principles are as leaders, um, and then once we get past that performance management accountability aspect, or I guess within that, um, how do we communicate it? I think in the business world, it's it's um, one of those things where if you don't communicate properly, all of a sudden you find yourself getting a phone call from employee relations or human resources about an incident that happened you know, at your store on whatever day of the week. And uh, in the church world, we don't necessarily have that, and I think if anything, there's been some failures lately that may that, that really point to how communication in that area breaks down um but i think the communication part is, is important and the scriptures tell us what that ethic looks like how we ought to communicate that you know the loving one another but it doesn't really uh or maybe we we have the problem of uh, again conveying that communication in a contemporary setting uh, the right way to the right people right i mean we're multi or intergenerational workplaces now, you know, so all the way back from your traditionalists um, at the bottom back in the, you know, the, the 1920s and 30s that are, that were born, some of them still in the workplace, all the way up now to generation, what is it, Gen Z, right? The people who, since the 2000s, who only know technology. So what does that communication look like? Or maybe, and then the baby boomers, how does a millennial from the 80s communicate to a baby boomer? How does a baby boomer communicate to a Gen Y, Gen Z? Um, that's yeah, the part yeah. where we and, oh go ahead no, no no go ahead go ahead we that's where we 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 know what to communicate right we know how we ought to communicate it in the sense of how it should look that we should do it lovingly we should do it um carefully but the, the words that we use the verbiage that we use the way that we actually have this conversation um is, is different depending on who you're speaking to and i think that's where while we know what we ought to communicate we many times fall short of conveying it Hey everyone, now don't worry, we aren't done with this awesome interview, but you'll have to wait a week to hear the next part. To make sure you don't miss it, make sure you subscribe on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen. Also, don't forget about the Mac Brock event coming up on October 12th in Albany. This is a free event open to the public, so you don't want to miss it. For more information, you can visit our website, insideoutgroup.org forward slash Mac, or email citychurch at info at citychurchalbany.com. We thank you all for listening and be sure to get next week's episode as we continue to talk with Brandon about the business versus the church.